I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another Drive to Work at Home Edition. So I have Ari Nia with me today to talk all about the making of the Brothers War. Hey, Ari. Hi, Mark. How are you? Okay, so you led the vision design, but we're gonna our story starts way even before the vision design. So it, it does. It starts like with a flashback to the past, like just going along with the brothers' war theme. <laughs> yeah, it, it, a good theme. So we're gonna we'll, we'll dig up our artifacts, see what we can find out about the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, I think our story begins actually not with either of us. Uh, the story begins with Ethan Fleischer, uh, and Ethan Fleischer uh, was asked by. Um, um, one, one of the people who, uh, one of our producers about what are cool ideas for supplemental sets. He pitches mm-hmm. the idea of Brothers War. Um, Aaron gets the idea and Aaron comes to me and asks, what do I think of the idea? I said, I thought it was a great idea. And then he's like, do you think it could be a standard set? You know, a premiere set. I'm like, yeah, definitely. For sure it could be. And he's like, he thought too, but he needed proof of concept so he could go to, you know, his bosses and stuff and say, I think we should do this, not just as a set, but as a premiere set. So he then gives me the task of making a demo. Uh, so I turn to you and I say, Ari, we need, to, we, we need to make a demo. So what is your memory of starting from me coming to you? Right. So this was in the fall of 2018 when I just got started with Wizards and you were like, I want you to think about some things like as potential things for us to work on in the future. I want you to think about unsets and I want you to think about Brothers War. Like what could we do with Brothers War? And we talked you and I talked about it some more and then you said, "All right, let's let's make a prototype. You know, you're going to make two decks. I, I don't remember how we decided exactly what form the prototype would have, but as a proof of concept, we we're going to have two decks that showcased if we were to build a set, what are like two imaginary constructed decks that would play against each other that would, you know, there are like sort of dual decks that show off a whole standard sets worth of stuff um, that show what the Brothers War could be. And I, I think Urza versus Mishra was like from the very, very beginning, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, that was that was just obvious is, that of course, Urza versus Mishra is how we're going to show this off. OK, so. I, I mean, you and I talked quite a bit about sort of what should be in it. So what, what is your memory of, like, what were the parameters? Like, what, 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 what did we feel had to be in it? Um, there, it was obviously going to be an artifact-themed set. That, that, was, that was clear from the beginning. Um, we, we knew there would be some kind of graveyard theme to at least one of the factions, since mm-hmm. digging up old artifacts, digging up the Thran... Um, was part of it. We knew there was going to be some kind of like tinkering or building up sort of theme to, to ref- because this is not just a set about uh, artifacts like Mirrodin is, but it's a set about artificers, the people who build them. Um, and also I think that it was going to be about war, right? That this is the brother's war. And so we knew it was going to hit all those themes from the very start. Um, I don't remember what parameters you gave me in terms of what else was required. Like, we knew we were going to have a bunch of antiquities callbacks, of course. Yeah, I think... So, so the one thing that I think I said I wanted, and you didn't disagree with me or anything, was the idea that we wanted all the artifacts to be generic in their costs. Yes. Um, But we we knew that we needed to have color in there somewhere just because we've learned our lesson about making generic artifact sets full of generic artifacts. Um... 
But I think what we, we had said, and this is from the very beginning of, okay, we want the, the mana cost to be generic mana. That, that They could have color in them, and you know, obviously they could be optimized with color. Um, but I think we were trying to capture that. Um, we Yeah, we, it had to be Urza and me. Oh, uh, Aaron, from the very beginning, had talked about being interested in meld. And so we, in the very first promo versions, we had meld Urza and meld Mishra. That was from the very beginning. We did, yes. And we had, we had Urza... In fact, it was with, I think, the, 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 the flavor underpinnings for what they meld with, like the Power Stones, the Might Stone, the Weak Stone, and the Dragon Engine. Those come directly from the story. That's not something we made up for the cards. So those were there in the prototype that we made in 2018. And Urza turning into this ridiculous six-ability Planeswalker and Mishra turning into some, you know, massive six-ability creature. Those uh, those we put, we had in our prototype. Um, okay, so and then uh, one of the things that uh, you suggested, which I, I think when I forget which deck it went into, I think it went into the Mishra deck, but um, you suggested Unearth. That was something that you had suggested um, right. during the promo uh, when we were building the the promo decks. Yeah, I I went back to and looked through my notes for um the, this from from like one of my first notebooks at, at Wizards. And like the very first idea I wrote down under Brothers War was unearth on artifacts, um, and and so the in these promo decks Mishra had a bunch of you know it had a bunch of self mill from the black side and some rummaging from the red side so you could like fill your graveyard with artifacts it had a bunch of sack outlets for artifacts and then you would unearth them and get double value out of them. Um, and then, yeah, the Urza deck, we were fiddling around more with, like, I think the Mishra deck was more about digging things out of the graveyard, and yes. then the Urza deck was more about building things, right, if I remember correctly? Yeah, and, like, that, that's, that was a reflection of their personalities, right, that, like, that they, they've always been a little, that um, Urza is more the creator, and Mishra is more the, the destroyer, although, of course, in the context of the war itself, they were both just destroyed the entire continent but um but yes the urza deck um used a mechanic that nowadays we call a plus b meld where like you could take um one part of a robot like a core and one other part of a robot that was like the the body of the robot and mix and match them together and they would flip and meld into whatever combined those two things which would have a combination of the abilities and stats of the its component robots. Okay, so we we build these two decks, and yeah. I should trust. I mean, I was definitely helping you, but I, I put you in charge of this. So this was something that you were you did. Yeah. The, you Mostly, did the, I built the decks. Yeah. and you, you gave me feedback on them. Yeah, I mean, I think I designed a few cards, but yeah, you did the lion's yeah. share of putting the decks together. And then I know you played with a lot of people to get I feedback, uh, and then you and I played a couple times, and I gave you feedback. Uh, and then once I said we were ready, we then went and played with with uh, Aaron, Aaron yes. Forsyth. Um, yes. Uh, and then uh, basically the story is Aaron liked it. He then took the same decks and played with Ken Troop and Bill Rose and you know the, the other people to sort of get sign off. Everybody says, "Oh, this looks great. Let's do it." Okay. So now, um, because you had obviously showed a lot of promise and you, I thought you'd done great work on the demo decks, I said, "Ari, could, could you lead the vision design for this?" Um, yeah, which, of course, I was really excited to do. You know, that's kind of w- what I was most excited about, about 
winning the great designer search and coming to Wizards is I want to lead a vision design team. So if this was my this was my first chance to do so, um, which was um, really a, a very a very unique opportunity. Okay, so let's talk about where we started. Like we we unlike most sets, we had done some work. We had built decks. We had some themes and mechanics. So wh where did you start? Like what what was how, how did the design start? Yeah, so we, I mean, we started by, like, looking at these decks. Um, so this was, unfortunately, like, we were starting right at the beginning of the pandemic was around when um, when exploratory design began. I think mm -hmm. that was April 2020. Mm -hmm. um, so so our, our playtesting pipeline at the time was a little, a little janky. Mm -hmm. So we... We were mostly we were mostly talking about at that stage. We were talking about themes and talking about how we were going to approach things because this is not at all a typical standard set. Like in many ways, the design of Brothers War was like the design of a universes beyond set because the world was settled for us, the prominent characters were settled for us. That like what objects and and um, locations had to appear in this set. Those were all nailed down for us and the story and the arc of the story were there for us. So the questions for us were not, okay, here are rough themes. What can we make out of it? And then we fill in the details later. The, the questions are, the details are all here. How do we connect the dots and what is the right way to portray all these things? What's the approach we are going to take with this story? So there were a couple of challenges. So, uh, Here's the one that I remember. We've talked. You can talk through the other challenges as well. The one I remember was the story wasn't that kind of green. Like there wasn't a lot going on. Like like for example, when we made the decks, we made the Urza deck white blue, and we made the Mitra deck black red in, in the original demo decks that we made for for uh, Aaron. Um, and it was clear that like white and blue and black and red, there's plenty of things to do in the Brothers War. But green, it was a little, it was in weird space. So let's talk a little bit about like, you know, like, and this happens a lot with Universes Beyond, interestingly enough, where like the story is the story. They weren't, it wasn't necessarily balanced for the color wheel. Uh, yep. So how did we, how did we address that? Yeah. And like, it, not only with Universes Beyond, but I think artifact sets in general, there's always a question like with with what does green do? Like green is the is the color that has the least artifact synergies just built in with its place in the color wheel. Um, so there were there were a few things. One, the, I mean, the biggest one is the island of Argoth, which is where the story ends in the third act. Um, and we we were thinking at one point of oh, there's a three act structure to the story, right? There's the youth of the brothers and the middle age when they're adults, you know, building their empires and fighting the war. And then there's old age when things come to a head and get like really just absolute environmental devastation. And that's when they go to Argoth and fight their big final battle. And one thing that we eventually decided was that we were not going to try to make these three acts all equal, right? That it was okay if different acts emphasized different parts of the color pie. It was okay if different acts sort of showed up more and less at different rarities. Like we didn't, we weren't going to try to balance them and the raw number of cards didn't have to be the same. So we could put a lot of emphasis on the defenders of Argoth, right? On the elves and the pixies and the sentinel druids 
and people like Titania and Gwenna, um, that we could flesh those out a little more than than maybe than you would think in a set that's called the Brothers War. It's not just the brothers, right? It's about the people they affect. And that's another interesting thing is we spend a lot of time, I mean, I know we looked through the book and looked at all the characters, but there's a lot of factions that are, aren't the brothers fighting. There are other factions that come into play. And I know we spent a lot of time like making sure we, we represented those as well. Absolutely. And that was also one of the places where we looked for like room to flex in in the color pie that, you know, the the factions in Brothers War, like it's not a faction set. It's not a Ravnica or Strixhaven style set where like you have these strict, okay, if you belong to this faction, then that means you're exactly these two colors because the faction represents these colors in its underlying philosophy. Like the the phalogy, for example, that that follow Mishra uh, they're not defined by yes, we the the philosophies of red as a color and black as a color are what make us. So that you could conceivably have people who are phalogy but are green or another color. Um, similarly, like we looked in factions like the um, the third path, right? The people at the ivory tower. And we're like, well, these people could be a lot of different colors. Like they're they're exploring artifice, they're exploring magic, they want peace, like. There's de- there's definitely some colors that they have to be, but like yeah, we we tried to explore that and make sure we could find color balance in um by by, by like looking at the different people in the world and how how they might manifest, not just narrowly the brothers are this and so everyone who follows them is this. Okay, so let's let's start talking mechanics. Yeah. Um. So. Obviously, we went in looking at the mechanics we had done in the demo decks. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, so, I mean, what, what, how did we get to the, the mechanics that we, we you handed off? The- yeah, so, well, at, at the time, at the time of handoff, well, we were, we were definitely happy with, um, sorry, we, we we had power stones that that had been settled pretty early on, because um, Ethan and I def- had agreed. Oh yeah, we yeah, want so this e- mechanic. E- Ethan Fleischer had done Dominar United District Fights. Yes. Yeah, so okay. And we agreed that would be a great mechanic to to carry over between the two sets, right? Because the power stones have such a pivotal role in the story of the the Brothers War. Um, but there, you know, there should still be some left on Dominaria today for people to be building up. In general, we wanted to connect the two sets in, in little ways, just so that people were like, oh yes, we have these two consecutive sets. And even though they're very different, we can tell they took place on the same world. And, and in the way this one that comes later laid the grounds for what Dominaria would become 4,500 years in the future. Um, I think the plan for Dominar United, by the way, was they put them in and then said, "Brothers, will we'll figure out what Power Stones do exactly, and we'll we'll just update once they figure out exactly what they do." Because um, mm-hmm. they knew that there's going to have more of a role in the Brothers War than it would in um, Dominar United. Yes. Um, so, uh, if I think during exploratory design, we came up with Prototype, which was this ability that would let you cast an artifact creature as a smaller version of itself for less mana. So it's kind of 
it's kind of like a reverse kicker, though it's not quite kicker because the big version is allowed to be 100% colorless. And this was, as you mentioned, another of our like sneaky ways of making colorless artifact cards that aren't really colorless, that like you have to have lands of the appropriate type in your deck in order to get the most out of them. Yeah, and one of the cool things about Prototype is there are actually archetypes in Draft, for example, where you might not have the color to play the small version of the Prototype, but it ramps into enough mana, you can play the big versions of the Prototype. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing Power Stones were really good for. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that that was a nice fit, and we were, we were pretty happy with that. For our graveyard mechanic, um, when we... When at the time of vision handoff, we were not using Unearth. We were using something that we called Scrap, which I believe was one of one of your ideas, Mark. It was um, yes. more or less <laughs> artifact mutate from the graveyard. So if I had some artifact that was in my graveyard, I could pay some mana and exile it um, to to grant all of its abilities to one of my artifacts on the battlefield permanently. Yeah, the, the flavor that I liked a lot, I mean, where it came from was the, a lot of the story of the Brothers' War is Urza and Mishra, like, finding old artifacts made by the Thran and stuff, but then adapting them and, and sort of turning it into their own purposes. And I thought it was kind of neat that you could sort of take things out of the graveyard and uh, make use of them to, you know, to change what, what you're building. Um, anyway, I, I like I said, I, I, I thought it was, it was flavorfully really interesting, and it definitely made for weird, like, very Johnny-ish designs where, like, you cobble things together and it, it did something kind of neat in the interactions. Um, that, yeah. I think that was that was what a lot of us liked about it, is that it was, it was the flavor of invention made very concrete, and in particular, it connected it sort of on both of the thematic ends that invention has in Brothers War. Like, it connected it with the archaeology end, because you're digging stuff up, and it connected it with, like, the, the warfare end, where I'm, like, repurposing something that, uh, something that I found in the dirt, and, like, now grafting it onto my golem or my war tank to make that thing more powerful somehow. Um, we thought that was super cool. It ended up being, I think, a little too complex, um, a little too challenging, um, and so partway into set design we got feedback from people saying like hey this there is a little too much going on here we can't we can't quite understand and so we went to our backup graveyard mechanic which was unearth instead yeah so it, it, during vision brother we did make unearth cards like we did design unearth cards and it was always a given like we knew that scrap was a, asking a little much and yep. and like it has a so one of the things we do in design just so the audience understands is when you sort of push when you sort of do something that's a little, we you know is a little more out there, one of the things we do is we'll make backups for it saying, hey, we're trying something, but if this experiment doesn't quite work out, here's the the more easy thing we know you can do. Yeah, and like that's, that's sort of uh, part of just our, our vision design methodology is like to, to take big swings, right? To like try things that you think might work and might not work so and so that like if they do work fantastic you tried something that was more ambitious than you would have otherwise and if it doesn't work then like you have backups for set design to implement but that you know that enables us to to take the the big risks okay so speaking of swings wait, wait 
But we talked about there was a lot of complexity. Let's talk about some other stuff that we, there's a few other things that we yes. handed over. So we obviously, the finished product has the three meld pairs at, at a uh, rare mythic rare uh, yes. of Urza and Mishra. And then tit- we added Titania, so we balanced it out since we had white, blue, and black, red, but we didn't have green. Um, yeah. and, and that was, I think we very early decided to do that. I think that was, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but we had common meld cards. So let's talk a little bit about the, the common meld cards that we handed over. Do you remember these? That's yes, that's right. So we, our common meld cards were it, it was a cycle. Um, so one pair for each color and each cycle consisted of, uh, one artifact creature and one sorcery or instant spell. So this was again a, a, a sneaky way to to make things color colored without actually while the artifact still looks colorless. That what you do is you have a red spell that's like some kind of some kind of um, you know flamethrower thing, like some some sort of torch, and your and then an artifact creature which which is some sort of uh, I don't know vehicle not not the card type vehicle but like you know a, a cart or something and then you you exile you ex- would exile the red spell the sorcery or instant spell from your graveyard to meld it with your was it from your graveyard i think it was yeah you you would pay a cost and exile it from your graveyard to meld it with with your little cart, and then you would have a flamethrower cart instead, which was more powerful, and it had the, an activated ability that, like, mimicked the function of the spell. So the idea, flavorfully, is, like, here is some peaceful tool, right, some peaceful, like, welding torch that I am now going to glue to my cart, which is also, like, just a minecart or something, and then I'm making a, a flaming minecart that I can use as a war machine to send at my brother, whom I hate. Yeah, and... The idea was when we had done meld way back in um, Eldritch Moon, which is where I introduced. Um, we we didn't. I, I think there was a there was a vertical cycle, so there was one common I think. Yeah. Um, but it just people had always said, "Oh, we want to see more meld." You know, it, it was hard to like do that, and so we were trying to get meld at a lower rarity. Um, there were a whole bunch of issues with it. The, the as fans is quirky. Uh, it requires a lot of in, infrastructure to make it work, and Right. Part of the lesson we got when we handed it all off was there's just too much going on. And I think part of making it a little simpler was taking out the common meld. Yeah. And I think, you know, overall, like meld just kind of presents a problem in that, like, you want the difference between the two cards individually and the power of them put together to be not too small, right? Like it has to be a little big. So it's a reward. Like, all right, I, I did the thing. I put the two pieces together and now I feel really cool. But if it's too big, then that means that your individual pieces are too weak. And so you don't take them to begin with. So you never start drafting them. So it's hard to fall into the archetype. And even with draft, like, because it's two pieces, like how do we exactly get the same person to draft both pieces? You know, that, and that's tricky as well. Um, like in booster packs, we can, we can, we have the technology now that we could in theory have them show up in the same booster pack. Um, but but if you drafting, you pick one of the, you know, anyway, we, it, I think one day we will crack common meld in a way that's viable, but it's going to require a set that like, that's what it's doing. It's going to, it requires a lot of structure to make it work. Uh, and this set had a lot going on. So in the end, it just wasn't the right place for it. Yeah. 
So one other mechanic that we had at handoff that I, I believe eventually got cut was raid. Um, we had raid in the set and because, you know, raid is just a, it's a fine mechanic that's, and it, it's all about sort of attacking. And so it encourages aggression and it sort of encourages different things from these decks that are these uh, artifact based that are all about ramping into giant things. Um, and also that was a cool opportunity to put raid in green since it was, that would be the flavor for like the Argothians fighting off the invaders. Um, and I think that wasn't cut for any structural reasons that that was probably just cut for space. Yeah. So, I mean, I, the reason we put it in originally was it was a war and all the mechanics yeah. we had done were, were more about invention and building things and we were like, oh, but we really need something about war, right? We need something that encouraged fighting because that, that is an yeah. important part of it. And I think what happened was when they took out um, Scrap and replaced it with Unearth, Unearth also does this good job of promoting uh, aggression because when you Unearth a creature, look, it's going to go away at the end of turn. Why not attack with the creature? So it, I think Unearth filled a little bit of that void. And when they were right, when they were trying to find, cut for space and stuff, I, I think that they're like, well, Unearth's doing enough of that that we can make some individual cards to do that. That they didn't feel they needed raid. Um, yeah. I mean, everybody likes raid. I mean, raids are always good in sets. It's one of those mechanics that like no sets unhappy having raid. You know, it's a, it's a game right. about attacking with creatures. So, um. okay. So should I talk a yeah, bit about ahead. the mechanics that we cut sort of beforehand? Off? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, let's talk about stuff that we tried. I, I think and, this and, was. This was kind of interesting that like when we were trying to decide like what is the what is the big splashy mechanic with the most sort of uh, not mechanical novelty to it, um, you know what are our sort of like what vehicles were to Kaladesh or something mm. like that. Um, there were three directions that we considered considered going in, and scrap was the one we ended up picking. But I, I think people might be interested in hearing what the two others yeah, were. They would um, <laughs> absolutely. So. One of them was the mechanic from the the 2018 um, proof of concept decks that we made, which was the A plus B meld, right? Where you have where you have um, cards where any A can meld with any B. Um, in some ways, that solves certain problems with meld, but of course, it also created a lot more. Um, we thought this was super cool, but its biggest problem was that it was very parasitic, right? That like these cards work with each other and they don't really work with anything else, which is, that's not great. Um, there was one and, other problem with it, by the way, which is I went to our art people because the problem oh, yeah. is any front has to go with any back. Um, right. and, and the art people were like, are you serious? Yeah, like so we obviously Unstable messed around with this with the host Augment, but we, we kind of leaned into the silly there. It's like, it's yeah. the head of this and the tail of that. And it, it was kind of entertaining and fun, but it was goofy. Uh, and it worked in that set, because that set was sort of a goofy set. Um, but there was a lot of resistance when we talked to the art. Like, they didn't yeah. think that they could come up with... I mean, one day maybe we'll do it and we'll come up with a solution. But they, they did, there wasn't an obvious solution to them. Yeah, and I think the, the other major problem um, was with the rise of Commander, like, it's just... It's less appealing to have a mechanic in your set where, like part of what makes it work is you can have four of each card, right? That I have yeah. four of this A and four of that A and four of this B and four of that B. So altogether I have eight plus eight in my 60 card deck. I can make it work. I'll find a way to combine them. But if I just have one of each 
in my hundred card deck, it's like this. This just isn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. Um, okay, what was the third path? You said there were three paths. Yes, just just as in the brothers were. There's a third path. Um, <laughs> the third idea, which I think was also very interesting, was um, a, an exploration of colorless mana um, as colorless costs. Um, that is different from how it was done in the um, Oath of the Gate Watch. In Oath of the Gate Watch, in particular, the idea was: what if we genuinely, instead of just having a few weirdo colorless cards that like represent the Eldrazi because they're strange and alien, what if we went all in on colorless equals Thran artifacts and we made it a whole sixth color? Right, that like in your draft environment instead of you have five colors to pick from and so there's like 10 signposts on commons one for each two color pair like five choose two is ten instead you have six colors right the normal five plus colorless and there's an equal number of colorless cards at at at, at least at common and uncommon so that it can work out in limited right there's an equal number of colorless cards and there's signpost on commons for each archetype so there's um six choose two right 15 Mm -hmm. um draft archetypes like the the 10 normal ones and then each color like white colorless blue colorless etc um we thought that would be super super interesting um i think we decided not to do it for a few reasons one was that, like, thus far in Magic, the the flavor connection we've made between colorless costs and Eldrazi has been pretty strong. And so bringing that back in a block that's fundamentally disconnected from the Eldrazi and where the, you know, the, the Phyrexians are sort of the menacing un- underlying villain seemed just a little bit of a mismatch flavor-wise. Um I think we were also a little scared about like how easy is it to build a draft environment with six colors instead of five and 15 archetypes instead of 10. Like no one's ever done that. We don't know how easy or hard it is. Well, I think the biggest thing about it was it, it's the kind of idea that like, that's what the set has to be about. Like if you're doing it, it takes over everything. And that that just the set, right. Our set was about the brothers war. That was the thing that guided us. And so it just, Sometimes ideas have too much volume. Like it just, like if you're going to do it, you got to do it. That's what it's about. And this set already had its central theme, which was, hey, we're capturing the story. And I I think that was the biggest problem with it was it wasn't fundamentally what the story was about. And so it just was sort of hijacking things and taking them somewhere else. Yeah. Like you want like a a sort of like giant sized mechanical theme with this beautiful intricate constraint like that. You want that for a bottom up set. Right, like that's how you build your sets, like you know, dragons of Tark or like the, the Tarkir block or Strixhaven or whatever, where you're like, it's about this thing, and then you build your set around that entirely. And you can't do that for what is essentially a universe's beyond set. Yeah, I mean, this was very much a top-down set. It's very much we are capturing yeah. this story. That's what we're capturing. You know, in yeah, some ways, it's kind of what we call an event set. Right, it's, it's built around a story. Um, yeah, and and the the model I was taking for this set, like the the set that I, I thought we needed to most emulate, was War of the Spark. Right, like which was our, our our first event set. So, yeah, and it's it's not a top down set like Eldraine is a top down set because Eldraine looks at like you know 
individual tropes. It's like, oh, we've got our golden goose and our gingerbread man, right? And Jack the Giant Slayer, like it's it, that's card by card top down. And we do we do some card by card top down in Brothers War, like we you know we're giving you your your legendary creatures and your dragon engine and your onulet and things like that. But like we're also more top down the story. Yeah. What we care about more is top down. Here's what happened in the Brothers War. Here's this iconic event that t- takes place over decades and decades. We want to show the magnitude of that war, the sweep of it, and its effect on the inhabitants of Terracier. Yeah, so anyway, I'm, I can see my desk here, so I'm, I'm not too far from work. Uh, so we've got to wrap <laughs> up here. Um, yeah, and one of the things that I'm real happy with, like I, I, I really... I think we did a, a great job, and in, 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 you know the set designers after us, like of really making something that does capture the Brothers' War in a way that's really fun. Um, and I know, I mean, the amount of work that you and the team ever put into, like you know, what are all the characters and what are all the places and the things, and you know, there was so much time and energy trying to get all that. The there's a lot of like Easter eggs in some level yeah, here, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like when you're when you're doing this kind of fan service if you will like if you're doing something that you're like okay this is for the longtime players and the hardcore vorthoses who really care about the story and the people and the places that make up this world like you've got a deep dive and do it right and so um you know both both the the creative world building team um which uh emily tang was was leading that side of it at the time um and People like Ethan Fleischer, who has read every single magic novel in existence, he was an amazing resource for getting all of our deep cuts exactly the way we wanted them. Yeah. So anyway, I'm like I said, I'm excited for the players to actually get a chance to play it. It's it's a really fun set, and it 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 also it plays really well. The thing I love about top down sets is when the gameplay itself matches the feel you're trying to get out of the story, and Look, the gameplay is about you're going to build giant you know, artifact ma- machines and you're going to smash them into your opponent's artifact machines. And I-, I think that's great. So, I'm really looking forward to it. So any last thoughts before we wrap up today? Any last thoughts on the Brothers War? I'm just really so excited to, to see it in stores. Um, I So you know this, but the listeners yeah. may not. Um, I actually left Wizards before the Brothers' War was all the way complete. You know, it was partway through set design at at the time that I left. So I'd seen some of the artwork for it. I'd seen some of the concept push. But now that preview season is starting and I'm getting to see, like, the final art for it and all the different concepts for these cards, some of which, some of these cards go back to 2018, like... That, for me, is just supremely exciting, and I just can't wait to go to the pre-release myself. Okay, well, thank you so much for being with us today, Ari. It's, it's always great talking with you. Thank you for having me, Mark. To everybody else, guys, I am at my desk. So we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thanks, Ari, and I'll see all of you next time. Bye-bye.